Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and we have a huge week in store for you. First up, is Rastarab going to ride his Rad Ripper at the Vance Pipe Masters? We asked him, and we have the answer. We're also going to talk about Quicksilver's new film, Saturn, which is a bit of a brand departure for them. It's totally new, different, something that we haven't seen from them in a very long time. We're also going to talk about the World Cup, kind of, not really. It is relevant right now, but is it relevant to surfing? Paul Evans will make it so. A 4.17 potential incident at Steamer Lane, you know the one. Um, Kelly Slater, his classic fall at Lowers that some people thought was a land. Well, we've got maybe a one-up on that one. And, as we mentioned last week, the Uber driver turned crypto millionaire who denounced his U.S. citizenship and whips XXL Nazare. We're going to learn about this guy and decide once and for all whether or not Nazare is the cryptocurrency of big waves. Of course, we also have a surf sin, and if you listen carefully, you will find a Stab Premium discount code in this podcast. So, let's get into it. All right, it is a holiday special. Um, or at least a U.S. one that at least one of us is in right now. Welcome to The Drop. Welcome to The Drop. It's Thanksgiving time where we celebrate that time that we came over and took things from the really nice people that were just living over here, had been here for centuries, and we took it, and we're really thankful for that, I suppose. Very long time. Yep, we're really thankful. So then we uh, eat turkey, and it's a great tradition. It's a tradition like no other. Um, I have my own tradition. You know, people, there's like the turkey trot, they do the run and stuff. I make sure I surf every Thanksgiving. Difficult today. Very, very difficult today. Why is that? It's like 300 foot and windy. Oh, do, do you have like a little cove nearby that's like you're oversized? No. No, you're just straight coastline. I mean, there's stuff if you drive like 40 minutes, but like it's, what am I going to drive that's an hour and 20 minutes in a car to go get a still an average wave? So I just try to slug it out out front which is just completely raw, exposed coastline. You try to find a little rip because you get a little ripple. So you just try to find one of those and you just fight the ocean for like 30 minutes. You stand up three times on really bad waves and then you, um, that's it. That's what you do. And what do you ride when it's like this? I ride like a stupid kind of fatty quad, you know, paddles well. You need a lot of paddling ability when the ocean is 300 foot. There's just so much water movement. It's chaos. So you need some foam. It's probably not enough foam. I don't really know what the perfect board for it would be because it's such a weird problem you're trying to solve out there. But uh, now I'm good. It's The box has been teched, so now I'm ready for a good day. Well, I think that segues really nicely into our first story today. Is Rasta Rob going to ride his stock dims Rad Ripper at the Vans Pipe Masters? Uh, spoiler alert, no. He's not, sorry. He said he was thinking about it at Lakey Peak, though. Did you have a conversation like that with him? No, I was just too spellbound by holding his actual surfboard and thinking, how do you ride this out here? Or it's just such a strange surfboard, like the, the curves and the edges and the super flat bottom. I don't know, it's so strange. It's so strange, and I want to put this story first because I want to use it to talk about the Van Stab High presented by Monster Energy winners, which, you know, we didn't say it outright. Last week, so Rasta Rob, you may have pulled that from the title, and Sierra Kerr, they are our champions, which I'm sure you already know, but still, gotta say it out loud, make it real. And this piece, the title that I read is an interview with Rasta Rob um, shortly after, basically leading into the final premiere. He knew he won, but the world was about to find out, so it's an interesting read, and it does answer that big question, no, 
But back to this board. He plucked that thing off a surf shop rack in Orlando. I mean, you were talking about how weird it looked, and like I'm allergic to five fins, especially with I just I can't do it. I can't look at it. I don't want to surf with it. I just I can't do it. I like quads. Just be an adult and don't put the back fin back there. Be an adult if you want quad. Okay, that's my stance. But this thing had he was riding as a thruster, so there's just these two unaccounted for fin boxes hanging out all day. Then he just rides it and beats everybody and gets an invite into the Vans Pipe Masters. It's an incredible story. Like. Who would have guessed? Well, I mean, if you actually look at the interview, he says that he's had 27 Rad Rippers, and they've all been the exact same dimensions. The stock dims for, I think it's a 5.7, he said. So he's literally just, he gets this board over and over and over. It's his favorite board, obviously, for sort of performance surfing. And I remember him saying when we were there that he would rather adjust his surfing to the wave rather than adjust his board to the wave that's his theory behind basically riding that and everything is he'd rather know what's under his feet like in between him and the wave rather than try to match the board to the wave which is an interesting theory it's not practiced by most surfers you would say most surfers generally especially in like professional levels try to alter their board to match the wave but he goes the opposite way so it looks like it's not going to extend to the Vans Pipe Masters, which is unfortunate because it would have been hilarious. But he did say that it's pretty likely he's going to ride a board under six foot. So at least he's sort of cap- keeping with his own little pattern there. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good point about adapting, just riding the same board and having that sense of familiarity that you know you're just going to figure out how to surf it in certain waves. I've done that before. I had a stupid quad that I surfed for a while and really tried to get to know it in like anything from knee-high waves you can hardly stand up on to, like, whatever France it threw at you. I don't really do that anymore. I guess maybe I haven't had a board like that that I fell that much in love with. But I don't know. I think he should ride at Pipe Masters. It'd be funny. And, yeah, just more on him. Like, remember last year in Costa Rica when Letty got hurt at Van Sab High and we needed to find a replacement, and his name was kind of kicking around. I mean, let's be honest. Rosterob's a funny name especially for, and it was just, he seemed like a real outsider and outcast, seemed like a random pick, right? And um, we decide that he was he was the right call. Nathan Fletcher calls him up, leaves a voicemail because he didn't answer because he's getting stoned in a Texas hotel room on a 37-hour drive back from, from California to Florida. And I remember at that time, I was just so curious, like, how he would go, right? And the first few days when he got there, it was small, and I felt like everyone was kind of writing him off, being like, okay, this guy's incredible. He's landing a millionaires, but it's waist high. Like, there's swell coming. We'll see how he goes. All of a sudden, there's swell, and he's still going incredible. And he just felt like such an outsider last year. And then this year, obviously, he earned his, his place back by making the final last year. This year, I still wouldn't have picked him as a somebody who could win. And he wins the damn thing, and he's just... I think he's had the most rapid ascent for a pro surfer than I've seen in some time. Years. Yeah, and and this story really gets into that too. Like he talks about how he lost his old sponsor, O'Neill, during the pandemic. And then he sort of was just like bouncing around for a little bit. I think he was maybe on like, I don't know, one of those like uh, Salty Crew or something like that. He was like kind of on them, but that didn't really work out. And then he went to Stab Hive uh, in Costa Rica and he did what he did. And he really impressed, obviously, people watching. And O'Neill was like, oh, shit, we got to sort of get back on this kid. Like he's clearly 
got something because you it's one thing to see somebody on Instagram and be like, oh, he surfs well. But when you put him in the exact same environment as, you know, 20 of the other best air guys in the world and he's like a clear favorite, it's like, oh, wow, this kid's actually legit. So O'Neal is smart to pluck him back after that. And I wonder what his next contract negotiation is going to look like. Like this is a kid who, you know, he obviously he's been a good surfer for a while, but, you know, he lives in Florida. He never really got any outside attention. He probably wouldn't have been thinking like, oh, I'm going to be like a household name in professional surfing one day. And now here he is sort of at the (laughs) top of the pack as far as air guys go. And he can go into his next negotiation with some serious ammo. Yeah. Yeah. Even when he got that call from Nathan Fletcher and he was driving back, he said that was his first time ever to California. So, I mean, that's kind of how off the mainstream American surf radar he was. He was just doing his thing in Florida, getting stoned as hell, landing a millionaires on every day. And now we're going to get to watch him at the Vans Pipe Masters. Uh, He didn't get his own profile, but we have been rolling out a bunch of profile pieces about some of the competitors. Craig Anderson's was a recent one. um, And I think that was my favorite so far. So I made a point that you don't get to hear Craig speak that much. Like usually his edits are just directed by Kai and it's very artsy, has a cool feel, but he's not really going to talk to you throughout it. And he seems very candid. It seems loose. It seems fun. And I mean, I just think that's what's going to be so cool about Vance Fight Master. You're going to get people like Ross Rob, Craig Anderson, and then just like Psycho Hawaiian Chargers, maybe in the same heat and exciting coming up fast too yeah and it starts in two weeks like it's basically here i mean we have holly eva stace and i chatted about that in the last podcast but pipe masters is two weeks away so yeah really exciting and finally get to see that new format sort of put forward and see if it's going to be a great success or maybe some needs some more iterating on (laughs) iterating yeah i like that is that a real word i like it either way i think so anyway on to the next topic oh wait 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 whoa 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 all right, and we have to talk about Sierra Kerr. We talked about her last week without really saying her name, but obviously she is the one who took out the Ladybirds division at this year's Van Stab High, as well as the Monster Air. We were gushing over it last week, but a little update on that this week. She won 35K. Uh, it was 20 for the Ladybirds, 15 for the Monster Air, and she's just giving that all away to charity, she told us this week, which is incredible. What a fucking superstar she is going to be. And um, I think I think it was even a comment on our site that read something along the lines of how exciting it's been to watch the progression in female surfing. It's just outpacing the men without a doubt. There's no question in my mind about it. I don't think it's even I don't think you even build an argument otherwise. So yeah, exciting times for that too. We get a bunch of fun stuff to watch. Is she actually giving it all away? I thought she said she was going to give some of it away and then invest some. No, she asked you now. I said it. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Sierra. And on top of winning Van Stab High presented by Monster Energy, Sierra is also going to have a spot in the Vans Pipe Masters where you'd have to think she's sort of like a dark horse. She's been getting very, very tubed over the last couple of years with her dad over in Australia and beyond. So we'll be keeping an eye on her there as well. Watch now. Kale Walsh, Rolo Montes, and Al Cleveland Jr. in Saturn. All right, a new 20-minute surf film from your friends at Quicksilver featuring these three kids 
Okay, the best way I can describe this is, like, you ever trip on, like, you watch some footage from the 70s or something, and humans really haven't evolved since then. Surfboards obviously have, but we still have the physical ability to do things on waves. We just didn't really have the ideas for it yet or the equipment, right? This feels like if you just went back to the year 2000, to Y2K, with the knowledge and equipment that you have in 2022. That's the best way I can describe this thing. Interesting take. Okay, yeah, I see that with the with the wetsuits and, yeah, sort of the, the surfers, I guess, that they chose to profile and highlight as well. I think this, this actually goes back to me for a lot of that uh, Griffin conversation we were having about, you know, Quicksilver really going back to its roots and its core. And I think that this is the first time that I've really seen that in... You know, like, you know, it's easy to say that, but what does it really mean until you show some actual, you know, branding or product around it? And this is the first time that Quicksilver's come out with something that really does feel like going back to surfing's core. And they chose pretty much the three most core guys on their team, all of them basically these reclusive tube hounds from their respective regions, one from Puerto Rico, one from Pasquales, one from WA. And just sent them out to some really, really good waves around the world. You know, this is what I think they're going for when they're like dropping someone like Leo. Because Leo doesn't really fit this vibe if this is the vibe that they're going for as a brand. And it actually makes me wonder, like, where does Kanoa fit in? I think that the reason that Kanoa is still there is just because of this international appeal that he has that they can't really afford to give up. Like, I'm sure he has a big pull in Japan among maybe other places that it's hard to get into unless you really have a, a standout surfer from those regions. But if this is the way that quick is going, I think that it, it does like mean that, you know, some of the surfers that they've had on there, these sort of consummate competitors, these athletes, so to speak, they just, they don't really fit in with this Rollo, Al Cleland Jr. Kale sort of vibe. And I think it's a good way for them to go because I don't know. It just looks cool and it makes you excited. It's like, these are the surfers that you feel a sort of emotional connection to rather than just being like oh they're very good surfers it's like oh these guys are fucking cool yeah i think that's an interesting take and especially if you look back at okay let's talk about when they had kelly and dane right kelly you could define such a clear strategy we want the best in the world we want this superstar like we want number one right that's what he was and i mean as we learned at how surfers get paid there was a bidding war with dane like i don't I don't think at that time they identified like a niche in this free surfing market. I think they were just like, this guy is really good at surfing. We want him to wear our clothing, put a sticker on his board. And then Dane just does what he does, has the career that he has. And the brand almost evolves to along with them. Like, I don't think that was intentional. I don't think when they signed him at a gas station that they thought that that's where it was going to go, you know? So I think it's like, to some extent there, I think the surfers had a big brand still have some power to like push things in certain directions like quicksilver did release a range with this and obviously it's what these three kids wear and it's it's interesting like chicken or the egg with like the brand like it's i don't think it's really identifying a need i think it's people just really pushing things in a certain direction and the brand being like yep if that's what you think is cool like that's we're here for it you know are they selling that wetsuit i believe so if not i got a guy uh, if if they're not okay you really want one let me know. I'll I'll make it happen. I I have I'm totally of two minds on this wetsuit. On one hand, I think it looks amazing. On the other hand, I also think it looks so uncomfortable. One because I just I hate back zips. 
I think that they're a scourge on surfing. And two, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it just has this old school look to it, but like, it just looks like there's so many different like panels and stuff going on that I just can't imagine it being a comfortable suit. It's like they, they reimagined a suit from the, what would it be? I guess like, yeah, the the 2000s or maybe even the nineties or something like that. And I'd imagine it's Quicksilver. They have, you know, some of the best tech teams in the world so I'd imagine they put some new sort of theories into it but it, I can just imagine getting into that thing and for some reason I just like feel the the stiffness of like a 2000 wetsuit I'm sure it's not like that but that's what I was thinking when I was watching it I could see that association in the brain but I haven't tried one of these things for sure they didn't just like ask around at Shaco to see if they had an extra just slab of neoprene that was made in in 1998 um so I think it's at least good rubber. The paneling is interesting. Uh, I think it's cool. I'd wear it. I think it's probably fine. And this is a great watch. I think the first section especially just blew my mind. It just does not look like surfing at all. It, it just looks like they're kind of just exposing themselves to the ocean and hoping for the best. And it's just so fun to watch. Wade Carroll, he's the one who made this thing. I love his taste. And uh, it's a great watch. Go watch it on Stat Premium. Yeah, on that first section, I I think that probably used to be like a boogie board spot. And recently, a few surfers have been having a go at it. So we saw Mikey Wright do it in one of his edits that he put out earlier this year. Um, Noah Dean, we know that he's got some clips in there from his Stab Edit of the Year entry, which is still coming soon. And yeah, obviously, Rolo and Kale have a swing at it in this one. It's basically, if you haven't seen it, it's basically like a wedge slab. Like, it's a proper wedge. Like, it bounces off a rock, and it has this, you know, sometimes even a chip in from the side. But then it looks like it's breaking over a proper slab of rock or reef. So it's really, really psycho and allows for some really exciting moments. Also, the way they film it, like, looking into it, it's just it's beautiful and brilliant and gets you so excited. Then the boys go over to Lakey Peak Zone, and that's when they're joined by Al Cleland Jr., who he was first sort of on the radar, I think, in that Innocence film that we put out with Craig Anderson back in 2018. He was clearly the most mature surfer on that trip. He was also, you know, a year maybe older than than the rest of the kids, so that was probably part of it. But just growing up where he grew up, he's just so comfortable in any kind of waves. And to me, his style is like, it's just, he's just so mature now, and it just looks so good. He looks so good on a surfboard. He almost looks a bit like Wardo to me, like just so locked in and confident and unbelievable tube rider. He's getting a lot better at like airs and everything too. So he's a surfer who is definitely no longer a Grom. And I think that he's going to be a lot of people's favorite surfer in the next like five years as well. Yeah, his style is incredible. Like that blew my mind. I The first section is just Kale and Rolo. And I like the way both those guys surf. But you see Al in Waves of Consequence and oh, he just looks good. He looks so comfortable and just like hanging out. It's so good. So go check it out. Go check it out and let me know how that wetsuit works if you buy it. Let them know. And if you need it, I got a guy. The Stab Guide to the World Cup. All right. We have got a little message here from this story's writer, none other than Paul Evans. And as always, we love to hear from Evans. So shall we? Hello everyone, Evans here. I trust this finds you well. I just dropped a story on Stab Primo called Is Rasta Rob Really Going to Ride His Beloved Stock Dim's Rad Ripper at the Vans Pipemasters? 
No, actually, that wasn't me. That was someone else. I wrote one called The Stab Guide to the World Cup. Now, if you despise soccer and anyone that likes it, don't worry. Hopefully, there's plenty of little tidbits in there that will help you hate watch with more authority. And if you do have love for the World Cup, prepare to deepen that fondness with both surfing and soccer. Now, I know Stab likes to encourage gambling, despite some of the terrible addiction problems associated with it. In which case, as a football expert, allow me to give you a red hot tip for the World Cup winners. England are definitely, definitely going to win the World Cup this time. It's coming home, you bastards. Okay, I, I love how he says hate watch with authority. I don't hate watching soccer, but I think that is such a strong selling point if you do. Like, it's the World Cup is going to be around you for the next month or so. It's inevitable. You're not going to be able to escape it. It's a massive deal to a lot of people in the world. And so if you really just don't like it, read this anyway. Arm yourself up with the right intel to hate watch the 2022 World Cup in Qatar with authority. Fair enough. I hated watching it the other day when Costa Rica got beat 7-0 by Spain. So I saw it. It's just rude almost. Yeah, that was really honestly rude. <laughs> so I hated that, and I um, I, but I, I enjoyed this piece a lot. It kind of, to me, it's almost like the equivalent of the bird-watching piece where he obviously has such a deep knowledge of this thing outside of surfing and his ability to weave it into terms and concepts that you and I can understand within surfing is just so brilliant because yeah I don't know anything about soccer but reading this I was like wow I just have to assume that everything he's saying is right and it's totally brilliant because I don't know any better but it's it's so fun to read yeah I mean he gives spirit animals for every team that's kind of a favorite and then teams that are likely to have surfers from them like US and Australia aren't favorites but he still kind of gives us spirit animals and if you are going to be watching a game and you want to know, like somehow he made Belgium, the Belgium national soccer team, he compared them to an FCS2 original McFanning fan in a way that makes sense. Like you don't have to know anything about soccer, but the way he lays it out, you're like, oh, okay, like I get how this team equals that fin. Um, so like I said, love soccer, you'll get a kick out of it, probably make you laugh, hate soccer. Go arm yourself up with the right intel to hate watch with authority. Jacob's AK bamboozles QS judges with a top ropes acid drop at Steamer Lane. Can you imagine if I had to say this guy's name right without having already heard it out loud? Can you imagine what what would happen there? (laughs) No, I can't. Okay, so... What do you think they would have given it if he made it? Something so WSL and lame, like a 617. No, no, it, it had to be 417, right? Oh, because Kelly's thing. Yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, I think they'd have to. Like, I think it'd be a thing that they would be acknowledging it but not saying it's great. Like, it should be either a point five or just score it or not, right? If you're going to score it, it's an incredible thing to do on a surfboard 10. If you're saying this is not what this contest is about then give it nothing just pretend it didn't happen they for sure would have went middle ground 417 I mean, can you imagine like i'm sure if this happened at a ct there'd have to be this like deeper conversation you have like the most experienced judges in the surfing world if this happened at a qs 1000 like 
that like I'm pretty sure I could judge that. I'm pretty sure I could somehow <laughs> get in there and judge that thing. So I don't know what the fuck these cowboys would have said. <laughs> Just to give some more context, we're talking about the Coldwater Classic that ran last week at Steamer Lane in Santa Cruz and it was a QS1000, as Buck just said, so you had a mix of people in it from sort of low-level California, East Coast, U.S. people to, you know, top-level CT guys like Griffin Colapinto and Kolohe Andino, who went on to win. But yeah, earlier in the event, Jacob Zakelli basically did what he was trying to do in Stab Highway. God, we have so many different names. Uh, anyway, the, the acid drop from the rock, the top of the rock at steamer lane into the wave. So that's how he started his heat. Unlike the other competitors who obviously paddled out, he just waited up there for the, for the hooter to go and then jumped into the first wave that came through. He didn't complete it, unfortunately, because it would have just been really funny to see what the judges scored it, if nothing else. And he did make the heat, but I think this deserves an asterisk. He made it. There's a, there's a four person heat. He got second to a Canadian named Wheeler. So I'm not sure if it counts as me. Like, you need an asterisk there. I'm sure Wheeler is a great surfer, but if you lose to a Canadian named Wheeler, you know, we can't just celebrate you entirely, okay? Yeah, and to be fair, this acid drop story is sort of just a Trojan horse to talk a little bit about the Coldwater Classic, which, for those of you who maybe aren't from the U.S. or California, it's it's one of the most iconic surf events in the U.S., even though it's been relegated to a QS 1000. It sort of has this mystique and allure just because it's history, and it's just a really cool event. And this year, like I said, it had some really big names. So Kolohe went because obviously the O'Neill connection, and Griffin went because presumably he just wanted to go surf some fun waves with his friends up north and maybe keep the competitive juices flowing while he's in the sort of off time for the CT. And it wasn't that easy. Like Griff got beat in the quarters by Tara Watanabe, a kid who we've talked about a fair bit on this podcast as sort of one of the up and coming Americans that I think actually has a chance to make the CT and surprise some people. And Tara was holding on to the lead in the final up until the final minutes, and Kolohe at the very end got a seven and took him out. And Kolohe was really excited to win, despite this being just a QS1000, because it must be weird when you compete on the CT only, it's so hard to get a win, as Kolohe obviously knows, and he hasn't won a contest in a really long time as a result. So just getting any sort of like victory must feel amazing, even if it is at a quote-unquote lower level uh, he should just go full adriano 2009 and surf in anything he could compete in then anything that'll let him in <laughs> remember when i think adriano was on the ct and he still like went and just fucked everybody up at the world juniors yeah pretty much um yeah that's i think gabriel did that too gabriel was like had already like won multiple ct events and went back to the world juniors and won that just to get a little feather in his cap <laughs> <laughs> I love that move. I think we I think we need more of that in surfing. So, great event, great job. It's not Zeke? Well, no, I don't think it is. I think he told people that so that it was easier for them to pronounce. I'm pretty sure it's Zekeli, but we'll need the uh, official etymologist of wherever his name is from. I mean, what what what's his heritage? Eastern European of some sort? He is... Because you're just speaking on behalf of the people of <laughs> of Bulgaria right now? Like, what are you yeah, doing? I don't know where that's from. It's a really good point. Uh, so we'll just call him Zeke for now. All right. On to the next one. 
the Uber driver turned crypto millionaire who denounced his U.S. citizenship and whips XXL Nazare. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, and I'm just going to add, this man's name is Toby Cunningham, and he goes by Toby Trouble. Okay, so we have a lot to get into here. This is another story on Stab Premium written by Paulie Evans. And I got to say, I got a hot tip on this one. I was ordering a board from a lovely man, Adam Warden, AJW Surfboards, based out of San Diego. And he, he we were catching up. He's a longtime friend. I used to get a million boards from him. He's a great shaper. Miola rides his boards. And he said, oh, you're living in Portugal. Like, I got a friend over there, this guy Toby, like, he has a house right on the beach at Nazare. He charges over there. Like, cool, that's interesting. And then he goes down this rabbit hole about how Adam met the guy, Toby, because he got in his Uber one day. He picked him up as an Uber driver, which he was doing in, like, 2012, also sleeping on a floor of a Craigslist stranger's room and just putting everything he could into crypto. And so Adam just gets in this Uber, this guy's Uber, they're chatting. It's going well. This guy tells Adam to get into crypto. He does. I think Adam made some good money off of it. And so once everything went nuts, this guy who's just crazy head down Uber Craigslist floor guy just made millions of dollars. Now he just has a great life. Still runs like a crypto channel. Um, I guess he denounces U.S. citizenship to make more sense with crypto taxes. It's just a wild story. Fuck, I've surfed with this guy. Have you? Yeah, in Kandui last year. Did he tell you to get into crypto? No, unfortunately not. Really? Um, well, maybe fortunately not. But yeah, so I surfed with him. He was at Kandui. There's two resorts at Kandui. There's Kandui Resort and Kandui Villas, and, I, and he was staying at Villas while I was at resort. Anyway, surfed with this guy a few times. He is a very average surfer. So I remember somebody telling me at the time, like, oh, yeah, this guy like is like one of the big Nazare guys. And I'm like are you kidding? Like, this is what sort of started, maybe not started, but solidified my theory that Nazare is the cryptocurrency of big wave surfing. Because it's like anybody with a little bit of money and a little bit of lack of self-preservation can just go and throw their whole freaking thing at it, right? It's, It's not like Jaws or Mavericks where you can't just paddle out at Jaws and Mavericks and like be part of that group. One, because if you don't have the physical ability to do so it's going to be really hard for you to actually make it happen and two because when there's not this whole like ski environment where everybody's just buzzing around like there's like a lineup and a hierarchy that you have to sort of account for so that aside sounds like a really nice guy it's pretty admirable how hard he worked to achieve his dream of basically surfing as Nazare and not working at all Uh, he said he was doing like 20 hour uber shifts for half a year just saving every penny and then going over to portugal and spending it all on uh jet ski fuel so yeah i mean to each their own Mm. again i'm still not not sold on nazare um and whatever but i will also say that i don't think he's wrong with his little call out at the end of the story you know everybody's bagging on bitcoin right now Obviously, we're doing it ourselves, talking about the stab edit of the year thing, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty funny. But the best time to invest in kind of anything is when people are either not talking about it or talking a lot of shit on it. And I do think that, like, for instance, whoever wins the stab edit of the year this year, if they hold on to their Bitcoin for 
three to five years, I think they're going to see a dramatic, dramatic upshot. It's actually going to be like a huge increase. It's almost cooler that they're getting it at this low point because they'll get to see like whatever, a thousand percent increase is my guess. Well, I don't know much about that world. So all I'll say is that I think Surfline, you know how they do like a like a 49-day forecast now? I think they should just include Bitcoin on there too. You know, you get the swell, you get the wind, you get the tide, and they should just do that too because that's how I think, only for Nazare though, not for everywhere, <laughs> just for Nazare. They should have just the Bitcoin forecast and um, you're welcome for that idea, Surfline. <laughs> So anyway, do you have any more thoughts on Mr. Toby Trouble here? I do want to call out, in 2003, he won the Billabong XXL Biggest Paddle Award at Toto's for a wave that was deemed to be 56 foot high. I guess he went to NAS to try to double it, um, which is so funny, because like I said, it's like, it's really big here now, but I'm seeing these lines as swell, and I'm on the same coast, so maybe like 20 miles away or something from Nazare. We face a similar direction. There's no canyon right in front of my house. And it just is crazy to me to think about, like, how much that canyon effect, like, that's, it's just cheating. It's cheating. And we don't need to go on another Nazareth rant. We did that last week. It was fun. So it's cheating. You see these big, like, you see this straight line as well. It's just like, whatever. Surfline, I gave you a good idea. I'm sorry that 25 people use my dad's password. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> Let's just call it even. Okay, it is almost time for a surf sin, but first, but first, we have a special offer for you at this time of consumption. Are you a Stab Premium member? You should be. And if you missed our layback code, what was it called? Drop Drop Wallet. Drop Wallet. Yeah, Drop Wallet then you blew it but here's your chance to get a nice deal on stab premium this holiday season starting on friday new members will get 20 percent off an annual or gift membership with the code bf 2022 that is bf 2022 another thing to note if you're an existing member Check your email. We're not spamming you. We are offering you a great discount on a collab we did with Slow Tide. Our, our friends that you may remember, they don't want you to get arrested for uh, changing naked, so you can get a nice stab Slow Tide towel for a heavy, heavy discount, and you won't get arrested, I promise. So just want to note these things. Just want to note these things. And now it is surf since time. Hey, Buck, Mike, and Danny. Toby here from New Zealand. I've got a surf send that I've been meaning to get off my chest for a while now. So for the last three years during COVID and all, I've been studying as a student at university, which has been fantastic for my surfing career with the online lectures, meaning that I can pretty much time the high tide at my local beach every day perfectly. However, once I graduated uh, about around the start of this year, I decided that I may as well join the the real world and get a full-time job which inadvertently is probably a surf sin in itself so i started the this job uh, in the corporate world doing the nine to five grind and as i approached new zealand winter uh, it came to my realization that i'm not going to be able to surf after work just with the daylight saving hours and the short days in winter or long days in summer and so i started canvassing a couple of my other work colleagues 
to see if they would want to start earlier. Uh, I played it off as though it would benefit them and that they would have a better time starting early, but really it was all for my personal gain so I could start and finish work earlier and surf after work. Anyway, a couple of weeks go by and a bunch of us end up signing a petition to the CEO saying that we would like to start work earlier. And it goes through the whole board and all that stuff and we end up changing our work hours from 9 to 5 to 7 to 4. So I made it look like it was for their benefit that we were changing the work hours, but it was actually just so I could go surfing after work. Uh, None of them surf, so I do feel a little bit guilty that they're having to wake up earlier. Uh, Anyway, love to hear what you think. Cheers, guys. Okay, so this guy is the worst negotiator I've ever heard in my life. That's what I was going to say. That's literally exactly what I was going to say. What is your problem? This is, yeah, it's a sin. You just made everybody work an extra hour. How did you not catch that? (laughs) And here's the thing for me. I guess I don't technically know the sunrise and sunset times in New Zealand in winter. However, you're now waking up at whatever, 6 o'clock to get to your new 7 o'clock start time. You could have surfed two hours in the morning and not, and then gone straight into work rather than trying to get this like last light thing uh, after work. It just doesn't make any sense at all. It's baffling. It's baffling. And then just, I don't know how he doesn't mention. It. He just says, "Oh yeah, we went nine to five to seven to four. It's like, yo, like how how did how did you let that happen? I don't know. And how did his coworker sign off? And like, if you're not a surfer, what is your? I mean, I guess maybe you're like just really into doing some other activity in the afternoon. But it just it doesn't really make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, that said, I can relate. I When I had an office job, 9 to 5-ish, French 9 to 5, I think it was 9 to 6, but we had a two-hour lunch break. Before I really started taking advantage of these two-hour lunch breaks, I would always, it was this time of year exactly where I would get, you know, I'd get in a frenzy because I couldn't surf in a day. Like, in France, it was fully impossible. Like, the darkest days of the year, if you're working nine to six you can't surf before or after the it's just too far north you don't have time either i guess in theory you could squeeze like a wave in but no it's like sun sunrise at like eight forty-five, and you have to get to the office so yeah i would always have a yearly meltdown and what i would do during my yearly meltdown is i would surf at night i would it'd be i'd, I'd had a day at the office and i'd feel that just like weird itch like i need to surf or i need to do something and I would just, I'd try to pick nights that were more reasonable, uh, maybe a little bit of moonlight, maybe some smaller, clean waves. Uh, it would happen once a year, and I'd realize how just fucking pointless it is. <laughs> it's just, it's, you don't get good waves. And then I would look up, I would look up night vision goggles <laughs> that don't work for me, and I'd say, I'm going to invent these. And then I would just get over it, and sooner or later, it would be sunny again and it'd be fine and that would happen literally every year it's an annual this meltdown was an annual occurrence and so his penance is just going to be that simple because i would learn my lesson when i would do this i'd be like okay it's it doesn't matter that much just deal with your life um so my penance is just to surf just have a night surf 
um, ideally in subprime conditions. That's a really good one. I really like that. I thought he'd already done himself penance enough with this whole arrangement and deal that he made. I mean, when he said that he was like a high tide surfer, I already knew not to trust him. But what he pulled, I mean, he he really he he duped himself. He duped his coworkers. I think eventually they're going to turn on him, and I think that he's already done himself penance enough. So I think you should do bucks. But even if you don't, I think that justice will be served. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just gave yourself an extra five hours a week, so that stings enough, maybe. But still, do the night surf thing, just because you'll learn from it. You'll learn that it's just silly. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. And if you have a surf sin, you can send it to michael at stabbang.com or buck at stabbang.com. And in addition to the audio, we also want to leave an option for video. We're thinking about maybe posting some of these onto our social media, and it would really help if we had a video component. You don't need to show your face necessarily. If you want to paper bag yourself or make yourself anonymous in some other fashion, that's fine. But having the video will allow us to play with it a bit more and maybe post it on Stab's Instagram if it's really good. So submit your surf sins, and of course, we'll see you next week. Over and out.